Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, mate. It's that time of night again, isn't it, Tom? It's Wednesday it's night at Finnegan's. Wednesday night at Finnegan's. But it's a, it's eight a o'clock. Eight but, o'clock. But, but, bit of a weird one. If you're watching this one live, yeah, yeah. that means that you haven't come to our live Christmas special. Yeah. Um, what were you thinking? Shame on you. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. I don't, yeah. you know, there's no judgment, but there is a bit of judgment. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't just leave you in the house, though, could we? While we're having so much fun down at the beef eater. Oh wow, you're missing out right you're now. You're massively missing out. Missing I mean, out. You, you'll have you'll have me. You, me and Tom are having a ball we right are. now. Where where you're sat in the house expecting to see something, here and then. But um, you know what? We're like we're like a good Father Christmas. You know, Father Christmas has naughty and nice list, and he only gives presents to the nice ones and not the naughty ones. Yeah. We are like better Father Christmas in the yeah. sense that we even give. To those who don't deserve it yeah we we we, we like to give don't we? we do and so i mean some people will say to me tom tom i live in scotland how can i come to it's not that far it's not it's Three not hours. that far Three but any, anyway you know who you are yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> only messing well anyway yeah. what we thought we'd do is we'd, we'd give you a bonus episode anyway yeah. so here we are so thank you for tuning in anyway nuggets yeah uh, yeah well done and uh, who have we got joining us uh, today we've got we've we've got gav calver the wonderful Gav, Gav Calver. So yeah. we said to you a while ago, we're going to do some bonus episodes. We're going to do some recordings. Um, and so this is a pre-recorded interview with Gav Calver. And uh, he's the CEO of the Evangelical Alliance. And so oh, I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, possibly our most famous guest. He is. He's got a fa he's, he's fancy title. He's a great lad. Yeah, he's a great lad. And you'll enjoy this conversation. And so we'll go straight into it. And... Um, God bless you. Next time, come along to our live gig, all right? Yeah, I'll be in trouble. Your nuggets. Hello. Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of Wednesday Night at Finnegan's. Yeah, yeah. and it's not Wednesday night, Tom, is it? It's, it's not actually, Wednesday night. It's, it's actually Monday morning, and it's absolutely freezing. I'm on the hot juice. Look at that, steaming away. You can actually see our breath. Finnegan's needs an insulation grant or something. It, does, it needs it? a serious upgrade. It definitely <laughs> does. It's, it's not great. Like, it's absolutely freezing. But it's an exciting one, though. Oh. We've we've been building to this because we tried it, didn't we? And we attempt it didn't work. We attempted the technology once and it didn't work, but yeah. very graciously our guests very allowed us to give it another very go. Very graciously, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And so um, we've got the fantastic Gav Calver with yes. us, everyone. Let's give him a, a warm welcome. Welcome to Finnegan's. Nice to see you, Gav. How yeah. you doing, mate? Yeah, great to be here. Doing well. It's not as cold down here, down south. It's always warmer down south. Oh, That's yeah. the only you thing. You get everything, don't you? That's the only thing I miss about all being the jobs, down south. All the weather, yeah. all, everything. Yeah, there you exactly. Down yeah. south. Who's going to level up the weather? I don't know. Global warming, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm lights on everywhere. Yeah, it's kind of warm the place up. Yeah. Yeah. But, Very so, good. Fab. Well, Gav, thanks so much for joining us yeah. to do this uh, today. Do you know what, Gav? I've got a lot of respect for Gav. I've not, I've not yeah. met Gav before, I've met but him I've, once. have you? Yeah. And he's met. willing to, he's agreed to do yeah, this. He's agreed after he met to me once. <laughs> we, we had a, we had a pint of Guinness in a pub. Oh, in a so he's effectively had the Finnegan's Westminster area when he, wow. when he, on his, one of his first days in the job, when he was the evangelist for the um, Evangelical Alliance. We haven't wow. met him. Yeah. Very good. So, um, yeah. So let me give him a proper introduction yes. anyway. Because Gav is the CEO of the Evangelical Alliance and he is a key key figure in this yeah. nation in terms of the christian faith and he you know is a very important guy and we are very blessed to have him with us so we thought gav straight away we'd just get into the really important stuff you know yeah. even in the news recently you know census saying that 50 percent below 50 percent of people would call themselves christians yeah. there's you know there's a lot going on in the world today so important issues gav what's going on with your fantasy football team mate you are having a struggling stinker. really struggling. I, I am having a mare you are <laughs> something I'll tell you something, I, the mistake I made, I yeah, didn't get Haaland till he'd already scored three hat-tricks. Uh, and if you haven't had Haaland from the start, you're out. It's as I simple as that. What were you thinking with that? Did you, did you see him in the charity shield and just think it's not, he's not going to do it in the Premier League? There was a, I remember at that point, we felt like Nunez was going to be as good as Haaland, and then that yeah. backfired, didn't it? Just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the problem is, I've seen so many players come who've been prolific in other leagues, and it takes a while in the Premier League normally. Yes. But Haaland, let's be honest, is the perfect specimen of a footballer. He's, it's not fair. He should only be able to play less or play on one leg or something. Yeah. So that was the problem. Because normally, if you don't support a Premier League team, you're better at fantasy football because there's no heart involved. 
yeah that's an interesting that point because i the thing i love about fantasy is i end up cheering a man yeah. united goal uh, like a fantasy football you're like what's going on in the world I mean, but you feel you feel yeah, you're an arsenal fan i'm, an arsenal I'm a liverpool fan, fan. Yeah. i find myself cheering a man united goal <laughs> that is just like unheard of yeah. that's like that's like it's like oh i can't explain but you that. feel yeah. conflicted you do feel some like guilt about that so i guess you've you're being an afc wimbledon supporter you are completely guilt-free yeah. Um, well, yeah. well, Wimbledon are my Premier League team. You know, I had a season ticket for ten years in the Premier League, which was wow. Wimbledon. Okay. So they are my they are my Premier League team. I I have to say though, Alan, I'm not upset. I'm a bit disappointed in you. Go on. A Liverpool fan cheering a Man United goal. I, I know, live with exactly. a Liverpool fan. This this doesn't seem right. I don't exactly. understand. That's what fantasy football does to you. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. it messes with your head. It, get, it gets into you and does stuff that would never happen normally. Probably a bit like the Holy Spirit. Gap, you know? <laughs> just a little. Just a yeah, little. Just a little. It's infuriating. I think people need to care less about fantasy football. I know. Yeah. No, literally, uh, Gav, I went to the Wimbledon final, uh, Liverpool Wimbledon. I was in the Wimbledon oh. end as a kid when you beat us in the FA Cup final. It was horrible. These were lovely. You didn't. Uh, there was no trouble. Don't get me wrong, but it was just hard. It was a horrible yeah. day for me. That I've been at sixteen or something like. And that. you know what? I used to go. Gav, I used, my mate was a Wimbledon fan back in the day, so we used to go as a kid. I went to Selhurst Park and saw yeah. saw him playing Effina Koku and uh, Vinny. <laughs> as that came out, I thought, "Cracky, have I said that right?" And I think oh, I got it right. Vinny right. <laughs> <Billy> Jones. <laughs> You need to be careful. Yeah. The hard thing, the hard thing being a Wimbledon fan for me is I've had a season ticket since I became a fan in 91. Yeah. So I'm not old enough to have gone to the, well, no, in the eighties, my dad wouldn't take me to football because okay. of what was going on with the hooliganism and stuff. Uh, but yeah. I've had a season ticket largely from 91 till now. We've mm. won nothing. Mm. But the highlight, the Wimbledon highlight for me was this. I preached at a church in Stoke. Yeah. And I mentioned the fact I support Wimbledon. And afterwards, this old lady comes up to me and says, I don't know if you'd have heard of him, but my son used to play for Wimbledon. Oh, and wow. it was Robbie Earle's mum. Now, oh, Robbie wow. Earle is the biggest oh, yeah. hero of my lifetime. He's the left, best he, Premier Robbie League Earl? footballer to never have played for England, who could have done, in my view. Amazing player. Yeah. There was his mum. So suddenly, all this ministry I was doing, all these people who wanted prayer, no, yeah, I am talking <laughs> to Robbie Earle's mum. Go away. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. The closest we've got is Jamie Carragher's dad, and he? He's been to a funeral been or two at Emmanuel. It wasn't a funeral, it was a Christmas. How oh, was it a Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> well, bit different then, different, you know. Different vibe. Yeah, he came, didn't he, Jamie Carragher's Very dad. good. We've had a, a, a rugby league player as well. I don't we have. I don't was. know who he was, but he, he popped along. He was from somewhere else. He was. He was. A, he played for a national team, he didn't did, he? He was yeah, an yeah. impressive guy. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. a very impressive Big guy. Lad. Big lad. Very good. Yeah, okay, anyway. well, we thought, anyway, Gav, what we'd ask you a little bit about, because... um. At Finnegan's, we we touched on a bit of faith and we talk about our our faith. And yeah. I thought it'd be really interesting to hear, you know, a guy in your kind of role. How did how did for you? Did you come to faith? You know, it's not it's just not a given. I've got I think if I'm right, you did grow up in a Christian family. I know that when we were chatting before the interview, Alan keeps calling you. He keeps forgetting that your name's Gav and calling you by your dad's name. Uh, <laughs> it's like one of those old people things, you know, <laughs> where he just keeps going, that's not his name, mate. Like, who are you talking about? But, anyway, Clive. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Alan, just for context, my dad moved to America 25 years ago. Wow. So, you know, so, but yeah. I'm from the kind of Christian mafia. Oh, right. go on. I'm the eighth generation <laughs> called Reverend, not Mr. Really? It's, wow. It's nearly all on it's nearly all on my mum's side. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. my dad did the job I do now, but so did my granddad. Wow. Which, wow. which was my my mum's dad. Yeah. And my granddad's granddad preached to a thousand people on his hundredth birthday. So wow. you've got wow. you've got proper Christian mafia going on. Wow. And uh for those who don't really understand some of the Christian space, we've got these two big things. So we've got there's an organization called Tear Fund. Okay. Which is a bit like for people, it's a bit like a Christian Oxfam. My granddad yep. started Tear Fund and my old man started something called Spring Harvest, which wow. is a bit like a lower level Christian Glastonbury, yeah. right? Wow. So, so um, I need a good idea. So firstly, I need a good idea. Yeah, yeah, you got to start. <laughs> yeah. But I, grew up in, I grew up in this Christian home where it felt, I was one of four and yeah. it felt like it was very exposed my parents were quite well known it was all that sort of stuff and you had to be a certain type of christian and i wasn't interested and the other three didn't sin 
They didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> they they always got in. They were brilliant and they were geniuses. Yeah. I got the looks up, and yeah. I sinned for yeah. the four of us. Who it told was... you you got the looks? Yeah. Oh, I definitely did. It's the podcast, let's not forget. Yeah. Um, you know what, Gav? I I because this is it's interesting. I grew up in a Christian family, and my sister also. She got the brains. Mm. She was she was born on Christmas Day. So she had it all, do you know? Uh, but it was I, I, gr- I found growing up in a Christian family, it's not a given you're going to be a Christian, is it? Off the back of that, hey, and it's not even a given it that could you're going to be the opposite. Yeah, sometimes it, it drives yeah. people actually, away, you know, in, does, yeah. in some senses. Yeah, yeah. Well, Oregon. half of kids born in Christian homes don't take on their parents' faith. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's the UK sort. Of, but but the other three in my family were like they weren't just being Christians; they were giving little words at the front of church and wow. baking <laughs> cookies, <laughs> baking cookies to help starving people and all kinds uh, of stuff. And then there was me, sort of. I got banned from church when I was fourteen for six months, and <laughs> I, I remember been banned from church I as well. <laughs> there we go. But that's when I could play Sunday football because uh, I wasn't allowed to go to church. So my mum couldn't make me. Yeah. Um, but then <laughs> I left. I left church stuff. I. I tried to become a footballer, right? This sounds far more exciting than it was. Yeah. I got to semi-pro level, then I got wow. an injury, so it was the end. I played with two guys that played for England for quite a while, which was wow. a guy called Scott Parker, a guy called Sean Wright Phillips. So wow. I played at a level, but I was never going to be a footballer, but I put all my energy in that. Then when I was 17, my mum and dad moved to America, and I spent the next nine months or so messing about, let's say. Um, but the day after my 18th birthday party, I sat on a park bench on my own, became a christian there was no mood music there was no speaker at the front there was nothing (laughs) for me for me jesus was an auntie figure someone i knew existed but i just didn't like hanging out with yeah and i'm all or nothing so i'm either there's no half-hearted anything with me so i tried some other stuff it let me down i sat on a bench and i said to god i said i know you're real i'm gonna surrender my full life to you and i will do whatever you want with the rest of my life that was the stupid prayer. I should have just surrendered my life and then said, and I'll make the rest of my decisions. Yeah. But, um, but that was it. it, turned around. And the hardest people to tell were my parents. Wow. Because even when it is the most important thing in my life, you still don't want them to be right and you to be wrong. Yeah. 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 Especially what, at that age. Yeah. 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 And what was it, Gav, then? Because like, for me, growing up, uh, I think my, my f- parents, I could see faith made a real difference to their life. So it wasn't just a Sunday thing. You know, they yeah. would, dad went, you know, on mission trips, traveled the world. He had like this adventurous life. And so for me, and I could see how God had, God was real in his life. So in some ways, although I have, I have, I had doubts and I, you know, still have doubts, you know, at times, but I, I could see that God was real from their lifestyle. Did you have that? Or what, what was the point that, you know, you went from like kids getting, band out of church to like suddenly sitting on that bench can you can you pinpoint anything that changed yeah. that time there's a few things right so i never i never doubted the existence of god okay i've seen people get out of wheelchairs i've seen legs grow and they've been prayed for wow. my, do- my my sister had five epileptic fits a day till she got prayed none since she was age of six you know I, 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 there's no doubt in the existence of god for me that wasn't the question yeah but Every Christian I met, I didn't want to be like. <laughs> and, and the problem as well was I knew, because I'm all or nothing. It's a bit like we talked about football before, right? I am not a Wimbledon fan. I'm a proper supporter. I yeah. own shares in the club. I've got a season ticket. It's, it's all or nothing. You know, yeah. when, when England lost on Saturday night, my wife got cross with me again because both my children, 16 and 12, weeping. And she turns to them and says, you have handed on your ridiculous, <laughs> passionate, hopeful nonsense to them. You have ruined my children's lives. Right? That's, who, that's who I am. That's just what I you think, want to hear as a parent, isn't it? No, friend? not really. Not really. I, think, I think also, for me, it was like, is this, is this enough? Mm-hmm. Am I going to throw my whole lot in? And when I realised that nothing, everything else lets you down and everything else is broken, I realized that following Jesus was, the, but I needed to get there for myself. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I'd say is everything the adult church loves about me is why the church hated me as a young person. That's how it felt. Interesting. So I'll, I'll go against the status quo. I'll say stuff people won't say. I'll be brave in a space other people wouldn't be brave. All of those things unredeemed got me banned from church. Wow. All of those things redeemed lead me to being a, the person I am in the church now. It's, it's interesting. Wow. It's a fine line. I find that interesting, even in terms of, you know, some of our mates and that who would never dream of coming to church or yeah, yeah. if they come, they would f- feel like it's a foreign land to them. It you know, is, they'd yeah. be like, what, <clears throat> this is not a place for me to belong. But then those attributes of those kind of people 
than the church is like desperately missing and crying out for. We had Rob Thomas on, didn't we? Yeah. He's a lad, he's a comedian, and he's yeah. um, he he would say he's agnostic. Yeah. Although we didn't know what that word meant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what he was explaining. Let's tell you what it? you are. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he he was he'd been to Spring Harvest, so yeah. So our people who watch this will know a little bit about that. Um, because he mentioned it, didn't yeah. he? Going there and that, and uh, he'd had a positive experience, and he, he'd had a really positive experience of faith. Yeah, but but he didn't have anyone to relate to. Yeah, in church, he, he said he kept saying, "I'm not like them." Yeah, you know I mean? um, so I get I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, yeah. and I'm particularly yeah. probably back in the eighties or so. When was this? Eighty odd, yeah. No, nineties. You're making me older. I was gonna say we're not. We're not as old as you, Alan. But the the style, (laughs) the style of church. Maybe it it was different down south. I don't know. But up here, the style (laughs) was very much like you explained your siblings to be. You know this this perfection thing (laughs) where everyone's shiny, happy people holding hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was all. You all had to be that to belong. Where I think we work hard on. In a in a in a positive way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to try and um, be a bit more authentic than that, um, and yeah, I think, and people spot that and can relate more because he actually said Rob said if if, if I'd met people like you, then it might have been different. Yeah, he couldn't yeah, see himself right. in the church. Couldn't see himself in the you know a, literally like in terms of a person who, like him who yeah. from his background who had yeah. found faith, which is just so alarming, isn't it? It it's is alarming. Sad, it? It's sad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. But, but we have to be honest with ourselves because then we can change stuff. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I would say there were two, for me, there's, there's two areas that church, we need to look at ourselves a little bit. One is the area of just fellas generally, yeah. you know, because church can be so passive, non-participative, singing yeah. songs to your girlfriend. What's this all about? What's, you know, yeah. it's the whole, co- it's, it's not the substance, but the style. I mm-hmm. think the style is interesting. And let's not blame women for that. It's male leadership that it creates yeah, a church that appeals yeah, more to women. Yeah, and then yeah. the second bit I'd say is our youth ministry. Okay. So I did 14 years at Youth for Christ before I do what I do now, which works for lots of young people. In our youth ministry, the default is to keep the 10 conformist kids mm-hmm. and let the two or three difficult ones leave the group for the sake of the 10. Wow. Whereas what we need to do is find the tactics to keep the two or three naughtier ones engaged. Because yeah. people say to me, where are all the Christian leaders? And they probably were in the youth group, yeah. but they got kicked out because they didn't conform. Wow. Because what we don't realize is there's two things. It, it's the most rebellious thing you can be today as a Christian. Yeah. You know, what could be more rebellious than to be a Christian in this secular culture we're in? Yeah. And what we need is to find these people that are like kicking against the system just to do it for Jesus, not against them. Mm. And mm. then I think the other thing as well is, is we just need to get serious about the fact that everyone fits. Why have we created a caricature of what it means to be a Christian? So I never felt I fitted because I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And actually, in the end, my greatest, on a one-to-one, I don't think I've ever led a, another man to follow Jesus who doesn't love his footy, quite likes going for a pint. You know, so it, it comes down to those things. We've got to get back to, let's be normal, but yeah. let's be normal people who've met the author of life. It changes everything. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. So good, Gav. Fantastic. So how, how do you go then, Gav, from... You know, and you're saying you're an all-out person. <laughs> that you, you you become a Christian, and then for you, is it like right? Well, if I'm I'm not messing around now, so I'm all in. So is it like then you're thinking you're going to work for a church or do that kind of work? How do you end up doing what you're doing now? Yeah. Was it was that always the plan? As soon as you made that change, or how did that come around? Yeah, I, I believe in a God who speaks. Now I know that's a bit weird for people, but I did feel a prompting from God that that I was now to go into the industry I would least like to, okay. which is the one that my family are from. Because this is the thing is, some people look at me and they think I'm like Simba in The Lion King, you know, <laughs> held up and, and promised <laughs> to the <laughs> evangelical alone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> some Christian Rafiki holds me up and yeah. says, here he is. It there just he is. wasn't like that. The yeah. other three siblings wanted to do that, which they're not doing. Wow. And I didn't want to do that, which I am doing. But okay. within nine months, I was at Bible college, um, okay. which to be honest, sometimes was as fun as it sounds. Yeah. But I was at Bible college and um, in that space, being trained straight from Bible college, went to Youth for Christ um, and just had to go. It's all about me telling other people about Jesus, really. Mm-hmm. So I think some Christians say this job is what God told me to do. I'm not quite sure that's the language I use. Mm-hmm. I have more of a sense that I'm a good news person in a bad news world. Where can I share that good news? 
Okay. So I did 14 years at a place called Youth for Christ because 86% of people who come to faith are under 25. Wow. So, so if you like, young lives are wet cement, old lives are dry cement. Yeah. Have a go with the wet cement, made sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then about 14 years into that, just felt um, a sense that there's not just seven and a half million people in Britain, there's 67 million. Hmm. And there's no age sections in heaven. So yeah. I came to the Evangelical Alliance, which though that sounds very pretentious in its name, is basically all about seeing everyone in the UK come to know Jesus. And so it's a natural space. But yeah, it, the same leader with the same passion just changed the voicing of the passion. That's all that happened, really. It was, a, it was like a switch in me. It, wow. it, it wasn't. It wasn't dramatic. It was just, is this true or not? If it's true, off we go. Great. Fabulous. So t tell us a bit about the Evangelical Alliance then, because I get for a lot of people who are listening, you know, obviously we've, we're, we're paid up members. So we are, Happy days. <laughs> we, we're, we're part of it and know what, what you guys are doing. But for people who are maybe outside the church, what, how would they, what, how would they interact with you? How would they know who you guys are and what you do? Maybe give us a little uh, explanation of what you do as an organization. Yeah, well, we were started in 1846 with two aims that remain our two aims now. So we're either really focused or we're rubbish at our job. I like to think it's the first. Um, and the first aim is to unite the church in reaching those who don't know Jesus. Mm. And the second aim is to give the church a clear and effective voice into every layer of society. Okay. So we're a membership organization. Churches, individuals and organizations join us. And there's an estimated two million evangelicals in the country. We're kind of the umbrella body, the spokespeople for them. So right. we try to bring the church together to do effective things. But we also knock on the door of the government and say, hang on, pipe down, don't do that. Or hang on, please do this. So, right. But we take the voice of the church into there. So now in a cost of living crisis, we held a reception in Westminster at Parliament about three weeks ago. Loads of MPs. This is what the church can do to help. Yeah. This is also what we can't do to help. Yeah. We also go in to do less fun things like that, to speak on things like uh, abortion or marriage or other stuff into the government. Okay. Because that matters too. So yes. I think if someone's never heard of us, it doesn't go to church at all. This is not what we are, but probably the easiest way to understand us is we're like a political party, but we're not one. But we're like a political <laughs> party for Christians, if you like. Yeah. So we have membership that comes together, that speaks with one voice, and that seeks to make the UK a better place, but not just a better place politically. We're trying to make the, play, the, the UK a healthier place spiritually. We're trying to see many people come to know Jesus, but we're also trying to make sure that there's freedom for Christians in the country to be the church. Great. Fantastic. And I think it's, it's an interesting time, isn't it? You know, we've, we've just uh, made national news about the census, you know, with Christianity dropping below 50% yeah. for the first time in a long time. Uh, well, I didn't read the full article, but I'm imagining if I've maybe the headlines <laughs> yeah. <on Skype. laughs> but dropping from, I think it was in a, a, a quite a short period of time. People had gone, you know, we're looking at 60% or something. The gavel, know the figures dropping below 50%. Yeah, but it's probably, it's probably been like that for years, hasn't yeah. it? But no one's really thought they could change that yeah, <laughs> in yeah, their yeah, thinking. Yeah. So they've just answered more honestly now, I think, in a sense. Well, that's it. What, what did you make of that, Gav? You know, you're, you're kind of in a unique yeah. position to be looking at the picture nationally yeah. and uh, Christianity nationally. What did you make when that, that news came out? Because some people might go... Hang your heads down and think, oh, pants, We're, you know, like you've got those yeah. two names, like yeah. <laughs> dropping the ball, Gav, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what, what did you make of that kind of news? Well, I just thought it was the least surprising and least exciting yeah. news that could have been, really. I mean, because the question in the census on faith is very binary. You are either completely X or completely Y. Yeah. Okay. So, so Christians have got a problem, have they? Atheists have less than 0.2% of the population. Wow. Wow. So very few people, if you actually go through it, yeah, so yeah. we hear the headline, we're not a Christian country. Okay, Christians are overwhelmingly the largest group in this country by a long way. Wow. So if you want to play, look at it that way, I think there's many other people with far bigger problems. And actually, in our work with the government, <laughs> we, will point, we will point out, you listen to the National Secular Society, yeah, but yeah. less than half of 1% are humanists. So why do you do that? Yeah, no, it's not. So it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time, though, let's be honest, right? The kind of chat we're having, let's just cut to the chase. Mm. I'm not bothered how many people tick a box Christian. Yeah. I'm bothered how many people go to church, read their Bibles and pray. Yeah. And yeah. actually, of those three, actually, I'm really bothered how many people are reading their Bibles and praying. 
then mm. I want them to go to church too. Yeah. And what's encouraging is over the last 15 years, the practicing Christian percentage in the UK is the same. Great. Fantastic. So what's happening is nominalism's dying. Yeah. So I'll be a Christian. And it used to be, I'll be a Christian because I'm British. Well, why? Yeah. Mm. You know, and, and it raises questions about church and state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But here's here's one for you, fellas. What do you think of this? There's only two countries in the world that have clerics, religious clerics, in the highest office: the UK in the House of Lords and Iran. Wow. So, <laughs> raises questions. Raises questions. Good company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I. Yeah, I. We find like you know, uh, even in the news and that, and I growing up, you know. Uh, recent, fairly recently, more recently than Alan, oh, yeah. um, you know, going through the I school tell. system and that, you, you feel like you're an idiot if you have faith. Like almost there's, you know, this new atheist movement and there's quite an aggressive agenda at times to say, you know, what if you believe in anything, you know, uh, be, you know, be spiritual, then you're just an idiot. But we find on the ground yeah. that the reality is that the number of people we speak to, not every, hardly anyone I meet who'd say they're an atheist yeah. or they say like, Rob, they say, I don't know what I am, you know, and they go, but something. I'm... I think there's something that connects us all and, you know, yeah. love seems to be part of that. And I'm thinking, yeah, like the atheism doesn't seem to be dominating things by any means. And uh, I was, you know, and even interestingly, culturally, we'd, we would say, you know, as Christians, we would say maybe there's been a rejection of Christian mm. uh, worldview, a Christian worldview. That's maybe what we're seeing kind of, but I'm not sure that society is benefiting from that. You know, even if you believe in God or not, you know, and a rejection of a Christian worldview for me, I don't see a whole load more freedom for people. You know, yeah. in, it seems yeah. like we're, we're struggling a little bit. Yeah. Seems like everything's falling apart. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, what, and what Christian worldview is getting rejected? So human rights is a Judeo-Christian worldview, not a secular mm. worldview. You know, most yeah. of the foundations, if people have never come across a book called Tom Holland's Dominion book, Right. Oh, I read that one. It's a good one. Yeah. Oh. They do it on an audio book, mate. <laughs> it's all about, though, the foundations of our culture yeah. all come from a Christian worldview. Yeah. So most of the things people are arguing for when they think they're arguing against the church, they're actually arguing low-level theology, which is interesting in itself. Yeah. And so I'm not sure people know what they're rejecting. Yeah. I also think, for someone like me, I work in King's Cross, Zone 1 of Central London. You have to get out of the left-leaning Twitterati that is Zone 1 and mm. realise how most of the UK think, which is not like where I work in the middle of London, which is right near the Guardian building as yeah. well. That, that part of the world thinks differently to everywhere else. That's fine. Yeah. And yeah. we need to get out and realise what people are at, what's going on, what people are thinking about. Yeah. At the same time as well, the spiritual openness. People are interested in finding out about your Jesus. We've just done this research called Talking Jesus. In 2015, one in five non-Christians wanted to know more about your faith. It's now one in three. Wow. You know, we've lived through mortality salience. Before the pandemic, if you got worried about dying, you got a moisturiser. Now people are actually <laughs> thinking about dying. Yeah. <laughs> Up here, Gav, they've all got big lips and massive eyelashes. Uh, <laughs> we're we're evolving. We're evolving, <laughs> I'm telling you. Very good. So, yeah. Gav, what would you say then to someone who um, wasn't a Christian? What would you say, you know, in, in, you know, in a world where in the UK, where potentially people are opening up, you know, if that's if those yeah. stats are right, and I believe them to be, that's been my experience on the ground. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's kind of, you know, in reality, probably now has not been to church, maybe in there, you know, there's a, it's low, you know, uh, low numbers in terms of attendance nationally in church. So they maybe not been to church other than the odd funeral or wedding or whatever and maybe they've not even heard you know heard the read, heard the bible stories anymore or got that kind of christian heritage what would you say to someone but who's maybe is open to if there's something and i'm open to it you know what would your message be to them yeah i think we need to get realistic and say this stuff is too important mm. to not actually rule in or rule out mm -hmm. i think the time of sort of passively going through life and not considering if there's something greater that, that felt like what you could do in the years of plenty. We had years of plenty as a nation. The last, some of the years have been great. And that's like, people thought everything was fine. The last yeah. three years, everything anyone depends on has let them down, apart from Jesus. Wow. So whether that's, whether that's the, the football scores, whether that's the economy, whether that is, you know, the health system, we've got to stop believing that our politicians are God. Yeah. You know, every time there's a problem in this country, what are the politicians going to do? Or what can they do? Hmm. And I would say to people that you need to, in this season, at least look into the bigger questions of life. How could you not? What more do you need to, to have go wrong to be questioning? Mm. 
Yeah. What I'd also say to people is, is the little insider tip, right? You don't have to go through the doors of a church anymore. You can go onto YouTube. Yeah. Millions of people have checked out church in their pajamas yeah. and found that an amazing way to start engaging with Jesus. Yeah. The fear factors removed, it's demystified. Mm. Go on, find, go, on YouTube, you'll find thousands of church services. Yeah. Almost guarantee if you go past the church and you think, I wonder what that, that's like, go and have a look on YouTube, you'll find it. And so, have a look at what's going on, push in and see. Yeah. But here's yeah. the thing, is for the sake of our, ourselves and our children and our nation, we all need to ask, is there a greater authority than Rishi Sunak, than <laughs> King Charles, than anything else? And there must be. Yeah. And I think this is the time to ask. Mm. I'd also encourage people, if you really wanted to do a bit more than that, then online alpha course, right, is the yeah. best way of, of doing a course online that asks questions. But I think we've moved forward from the time where people could coast through life and cope. No one's coping. Mm. I know some of the wealthiest people in the UK, and they are struggling. I, I know some homeless guys by our office, and they are struggling. And you mm. know what? In the end, they're struggling with the same thing. They haven't found the real meaning of life. And they wow. need to push on that, ask those questions and go forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we did the kind of online, we changed with the pandemic online church, all that type of stuff. We changed our style completely, didn't we? We did, um, yeah. And we, we went for a, literally went from what you would probably recognise as an ordinary type of charisma, semi-charismatic type of church, you know, block of worship, preach, all that. We, we, compl we completely changed. We're almost now a hymn prayer sandwich church. Yeah. With that in mind, and we and we sit on sofas and we chat more. It's less. It still is a talk, but it's less yeah. of a less of a monotone. Um, is that the right word? Monologue, maybe. Monologue is the better word. Yeah. Monologue uh, chat and and we found lots of people who were weren't going to church were checking us out, and then yeah. when we came back in person. Quite a few of them turns up, and we're only a small church, Gav. Yeah. We're not. We're not. A so we church. we rarely now, Gav, have any. Like you say, we rarely have anyone turn up on a Sunday who hasn't done their homework yeah. first and yeah. checked us out. And so we're not getting. You know, you used to get people come and they'd be like, "They wouldn't like, <coughs> what I like," and they're like, "Come yeah. and try you out." And you know, within ten minutes, they're just nipping to the toilet, but never coming back again or whatever. <laughs> you know, but now people are watching, yeah. and they, so if they've come, they've already know what to expect. Yeah. And they're kind of saying, yeah, we're, we're, we've been intrigued by this. We want to come and be part of it. And I think of Lorraine, yeah. who uh, during the pandemic, you know, was watching church yeah. in her pajamas, come upstairs. across it upstairs. And yeah. then um, it was her, it was her, her like, per, you know, her own time. She'd kick her fella out and be watching church in her PJs. And he'd kind of, she noticed that he'd bring her a brew and kind of be trying to like gag in, have a little look at what was going on. And she was like, no, this is my, my time. Get out. Get out. But then she found him one Sunday morning commenting on the Facebook, you know, and she was, she was fuming, but uh, yeah. <laughs> end of pandemic. And they both, both come along to church and kind of um, really become part of the community we've got. And I think that is, that is such a, I guess, a real benefit for the church mm -hmm. now, but I'm interested, Gav, because I, I, from our perspective, we've, you know, we are completely changed in the way we operate as church you know as a result of the pandemic but you know if we talk a little bit to the church for a second I don't, <coughs> what are you seeing nationally because i've seen a little bit that people feel like we've just gone back to the way it was before uh, i mean are I, we missing an opportunity to I literally i've sat in that many leaders meetings where we talk about what would we do if we had a blank page how would yeah. we do church and everyone dream dreams and all that and then we had the pandemic which was a blank page yeah. and then everyone just went back yeah <laughs> i couldn't believe it and we're not we're not beating up on the no, church at all. No, love, love the church, but I don't know what would you say to what would you yeah. say to the church into that kind of situation? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. How how can we push on? I think those that went back to how it was have now changed a little bit as well. As I travel yeah, around yeah. the country, I don't think we're stuck in the model we were before. Mm. The pandemic forced our hand. Yeah, yeah. Now, therefore, anyone who's listened to this who doesn't go to church, right? I'm really sorry that church was the only thing in your community that realized it didn't need to change its style at all for 30 years. I'm sorry, <laughs> because we actually, we, we celebrate people sending missionaries around the world and engaging with culture, but here we just did what we wanted and you're our way or the highway yeah. going into the pandemic. Church was a set menu. Yeah. Yeah. Even time, every church, half 10, half six, yeah. nothing to do with Jesus. Everything to do with milk. <laughs> Used to milk cows at nine, milk cows at five, took half an hour to get the milk, half an hour to get clean, half an hour to get to church. It's wow, not good enough. It, is that what it was? Is that that's what it's down to. That's why yeah, I've never milked a cow in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Someone did at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we're stuck in that. 
But I think yeah. coming out of the pandemic, we're more of a buffet. Now, I know that's cheesy, Go on. but it's the same substance, but the style's different. Okay. So I'm going to places where yesterday I did carol service and the carol service, they're expecting two thirds of people online, a third in the building. Hmm. Brilliant. But wow. they're having to do it differently. How we're engaging in different spaces. We thought people understood our Jesus and understood our stuff. Coming back to the census again, we mm. assumed people were further on than they are. Mm-hmm. We talked about an alpha course. Alpha courses are brilliant, but they're probably not the best thing to go on if you've never asked anything. They're the best thing to go on when you've online church a few times. You've, you've got a friend, you know, because yeah. it's yeah. starting because our starting position is not where people are. Yeah. So what we're doing now is we're mixing it up. We're doing things differently. Now, I think lots of churches need to stop doing the online. Okay. Because actually they're doing it really badly. It's taking a lot of resource and there's another church down the road that can do it really well. That's fine. You watched ours, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, this, is, this is direct feedback, lads. It's a bit but, personal. Yeah, a bit personal. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, go on. But, but I think we need, to, we need to continue in that space. We need to be in yeah. other spaces. But yeah. even what you said about the preaching, well, I love preaching. Mm. But I think I love it more than anyone listening. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we need to own that. Yeah. And we lost the microphones during pandemic. So why do we need to pick them up again in the same way? Yeah. And the other thing I'd say is I have never known as many different types of church emerging as now. Okay. Lots of church planning, lots of churches in homes, lots of churches in other places, lots of things coming forward. So it's an exciting time, hmm. but the temptation just to go back is always going to be there. Yeah. And let's be honest, we know how to do it. That's, that's the, that's the thing about it, isn't it? We know how to do it. Like you, the one thing I could do was preach. <laughs> now yeah. I don't do that. I don't know what I can do. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually yeah. rubbish and everything else. Um, <laughs> but I felt I could do that, if you get what I mean. So not doing that is quite uncomfortable for me hmm. in lots of ways. And yet, because of the people we've reached doing not doing that, I can't go back to doing that. So I'm, I'm in limbo myself, hmm. if that's a thing. Um, but... I, th- yeah. I find myself there because I find myself not doing what I was actually felt I was gifted to do a little bit um, to doing something else, which is a bit, it feels harder if it, 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 I'm not natural at it. Um, yeah. yeah. I yeah. know I can't go back to doing what I did before because somehow what we're doing now is at least scratching where people are itching. Mm. Um, so, we agreed. Stuck with it. <laughs> we have, yeah, yeah. But, but also for, for church leaders, I think we need to be honest and admit that at times we've made a demigod out of Sunday morning. Okay. You know, it, it, Sunday morning it's like that's our Wembley. You know, mm. Sunday morning is all that matters. And even how we measure church, how many people go to church? Well, that's how many people come yeah, on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. That's not. We need to get out of that model. We have started trying to do in an hour, hour and a quarter a week what Jesus did in three thousand hours. So eight thousand hours with his disciples over three years. Discipleship can't just be Sunday morning. Church can't, that can't just be it. Now, church right. Sunday morning is really important, but I think we made that the only thing that really, really mattered. Mm. And coming out into this season, we need to start saying, no, no, no. What does it mean for you guys to make disciples where you find yourself in Liverpool? What does that actually mean? Mm. And what is the success? Because the only measurable, you'll notice, Alan, as a church leader, you go into a room with church leaders, first question, how big's your church? And you're like... <laughs> Why is that the first question? Yeah. Uh, How mature are your disciples should be the first question. Yeah. And we, and we've, we've, you know, Alan says like we're, we're a small church and we are a small church, but yeah. we, we, what we find is we, we, when we grow, we're growing off people from people off the estate coming yeah. to yeah. our church rather than, you know, issues, we're not, yeah. we're not trying to put on a show to like get transfer growth or whatever. And I think yeah. sometimes it's easy to focus on that as churches, isn't it? It can be a quick win to yeah. get people to come along who are maybe just thinking, oh, well, the worship's been a little bit flat in my place for the last oh, couple man. of weeks, so I'll try this one out with a different band, you know. But the focus to, to, to look out into our communities and think, how can we engage with people who are, you know, as we're finding open to faith, open to having a chat and talking and finding out more, but I think, you know, we're going to have to bite the bullet and adjust the way we do things yeah. a little bit. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just the way we talk about stuff. It's just the language. Mm. Um, we, we, we talk in riddles that, you know, <laughs> we, we come to the, the, if you come to the pub, you, don't, you wouldn't talk that way to your mates in the yeah. pub that, yeah. that a lot of Christians use in language normally when it's this in club. It's like, be, be, it's like starting on a building site 
and everyone's talking about all this terminology that you haven't got a clue what it is because you, you've only just started on the building site. Uh, and we do that. We do that with faith. <coughs> I go around. I'm a comedian at times, so I've been called that occasionally. Um, <laughs> and I go around green rooms and I talk to lots of um, comics who would say that atheist, right? But then they start using terminology about something, <laughs> and yeah. I'm 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 listening to their their stories, and I'm thinking we're not that far away. <laughs> You're using. You're just using different language for what yeah. I would describe as God, you know, and that's often the conversation I have with people in the green room with other comedians. There yeah. are there are some obviously militant atheists in in comedy as well, but um, I just think recognizing the the language and adjusting yours to suit is 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 much easier for me. And mm. It took me a while to say that, and it took me a while to realize it as a person. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, I, and I think you can tell, sometimes you can tell a Christian who actually doesn't have any non-Christian yeah. friends anymore. Yeah. And sometimes when we just become a little huddle and we're not seeing other people come and join us, we can end up talking in, in riddles or in stuff that doesn't make sense. Or But when you've got someone in the room who sort of goes, oh, you, what you just said there, I have no yeah. <laughs> idea what yeah. you're talking about. You know, could you explain it a little nonsense. bit for me or whatever? It keeps us... It keeps us a it's little bit grounded, grounded doesn't it? Yeah, in, yeah. in the sense that our faith has got to be real, hasn't it? It's got to work in the pub. It's got to work on, you know, That's where in our <laughs> in our work, yeah. wherever we find our ourselves. So, what what would your message be then, Gav, as we come towards the end to to Christians in the church uh, today? What would the what would the I've heard you talk, and like you say, you're all, and I think you're really passionate, and I think the church needs that. The church does need that at this yeah. this time. What would your message be? to the church, uh, to people who, who find themselves uh, in church on a Sunday morning, people of faith, uh, Christians in, the, in our country at this moment? Yeah, well, I think this is our moment. I really do. I think this is our moment. It's the greatest moment to be alive for. <laughs> I think we've got a moment that we haven't had. After the Second World War, church attendance in the UK was massively up for 18 months to two years. Wow. It then went back down below pre-Second World War levels. Wow. The diagnosis in history is that the church looked after itself, got itself okay, happy and comfortable again. And by the time the church had done that, those outside the church looked for hope somewhere else because it wasn't being provided by the church for them. Wow. We have not been through a war. We've largely been on our sofas or as key workers. We're about to go through a cost of living crisis. But this is the biggest crisis these last few years the UK has faced since the Second World War. Therefore, it won't be in our churches. It'll be in digital spaces, garden fences, sports clubs, other places. But people's openness and interest in Christianity is higher than it's ever been. We have prayed for revival, we have believed for change, and now we have, I'm not saying we're in it, but we have the opportunity for that to be possible. Let's not miss it by looking after ourselves. Yeah. Now, we have to own our own fragility. Fragility is relative, but I've never felt so fragile. Mm. But I don't trust anyone that doesn't walk with a limp. Mm. If you don't walk with a limp, you're either delusional or you live in Disneyland. Mm. Yeah. Can you imagine having faced the last few years without Jesus or the next few? We mm. talk about life after death far too much, right? I'm delighted I've got eternal life, but I don't know how I get through today without Jesus. Mm. But mm. this is our moment to show those around us what is different when you face a pandemic and then a cost of living crisis, but you stand on the unchanging one, the rock of ages. Mm. And here's the other thing as well. We don't want to just celebrate decisions. We're too good in the church. Get a hand in the air. Give your life to Jesus. We want to celebrate disciples. Mm. So on average, it will take six Christians for someone else to become a mature, lifelong disciple. We need to make sure we're doing that. And the final bit within this is, <clears throat> for too long, we've made evangelism a personality type. Someone like me, larger than life, in your face, whatever. Yeah. No, we're all witnesses. If you're a Christian and you've got a pulse, mm. you're a witness. Mm. And I'm sick of people saying, but I'm not really very good at that. No, no, no. You know Jesus, you're a witness. I had someone meet me the other day who's a church leader who said, I don't really do the witnessing thing because I'm not very good at it. I care for people. I said, okay, I'll stop caring for anyone. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, I just won't care for anyone. I'm yeah. good at witnessing, so I just won't care for anyone. Yeah. He said, no, you have to care for people. It's part of being a Christian. I said, there you go. You've answered your thing. You have to tell people about Jesus. It's part of being a Christian. Yeah. So I think until we start seeing every Christian as a witness in their place, still we start celebrating together fully, still we start really seeing this as a move of the whole body, we yeah. may not see what we long to see. But I think now is the moment. And, and here's the thing, and I'll, I'll stop preaching in a moment. <laughs> Witnessing is a muscle. That's what it is. It's a habit and a muscle. Most Christians are flabby in that area. Mm. The best time to build muscle is when it's easiest. 
The mm. easiest time to do it in your witnessing is when the ground's more fertile. There's a greater openness in our culture to things of faith, not to church, to things of faith than there's, than there's ever been. Take this moment, grow those muscles. And then when it gets harder again, you won't even notice because mm. the habits will be formed and we'll be a witnessing church. Christianity is not about professionals. It's about all people who come to know Jesus, then being their part in the Great Commission. So let's go for it, is what I'd say. Great. Brilliant. We've Fantastic. Had a, we've had a great talk today, haven't we? We have. Uh, but we, I just want to lower the tone a little bit now again. That's yeah. normally what Adam Gav, does. I nearly told you Clive again. So, <laughs> uh, so Gav, um, we've got a thing at Finnegan's Bar that we, we, we want to know what that says. Can you see that? Yeah, Nougat. Oh. Yes. Yes. Thank you, See, Gav. that's a sudden thing. <laughs> what what, what was I supposed Gav, to say? Gav, you were supposed you, to that... say Nugget. Gav. No, Nugget is N-U-G-G-E-T. No, no, thank you. Thank where's, you. Where's the R in that, Gav? <laughs> tell me yes. where it is. And Alan, I, I just think... But tell me where it is. <laughs> I, I, think the, I think the language is just a little sophisticated for your palate. <laughs> I'm not French. I don't pronounce it like that. It's Nugget. Gav, I'm so lonely up north. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just surrounded. I've ju- I, we've just... We've just <laughs> We've just found out that Gav's a Tory. That's My political allegiance can never be revealed because I need the EA. But what I will say... I know that, but you've just confirmed you're a Tory by saying you only My wife is a plastic scouser. My wife's a plastic scouser. There we go. So in our house with our kids, they get corrected depending on which parent heard them. And this is everything from... Well, obviously, your wife will say nugget. Yeah, will also say... She'll say grass and bath and no, all kinds of things. definitely a nugget. Exactly, she's proper, proper here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as a wife, that's what I would say. Gav, we're you know what I love, though? Go I on, love on. Scouse humour. Yeah. And do you know the favourite bit of Scouse humour I've come across? Go on. At the Liverpool One shopping centre, the Everton shop's Everton. called Everton <laughs> 2. I know. <laughs> That's the bit of blues at work there, that is isn't the it? Bit of bl- you go in the shop, Gav, <laughs> and everything, literally everything in the shop is... I'm not a Liverpoolian. Yeah. <laughs> in many different ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen people walk past that shop and hold their breath. <laughs> <laughs> I went in to buy my son-in-law, who's a bit of blue, a ball for his birthday. Yeah, I can't believe you ago. went in. I went in, and as I got there, I got to the till, and I said, hey, I have that, please. She went, yeah. And she went to put it in a bag, and I went, no, no, don't put it in a bag. Yeah. I'll just carry it. I'm not, I'm not carrying a bag now with me. <laughs> <laughs> have you got any white bags just white ones <laughs> she looked at me like i was like oh anyway she looked at me like i was peter wilkelman or whatever his name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now that's naughty we've got well to now that was yeah he's, we, he's we, the guy who sold wimbledon is he, he? is yeah yeah is he? no he's no he, no he's not he's the guy that stole <laughs> he stole no one, no one sold he didn't yeah. sell it no he took it he really? just picked it up and moved it yeah. Oh, oh, you must you mustn't like him, Gabby. He must be he must test your well, Christianity every day. Uh, well, the only thing in in my house, the worst swear word is to say MK and then the D word after it. Because that's not <laughs> you can call them MK franchise. That's fine. Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, that, it is what it is. What I'll say though is power of community. We had three and a half thousand season ticket holders. Yeah. Yeah. We were offered eighty percent off for ten years to go to Milton Keynes with the season ticket. Seventeen did. The rest formed AFC Wimbledon. Fabulous. Seven Power people. Are they yeah. like the prodigal Get sons who one day you could, you'd welcome back? <laughs> no, they're, they're, no, they're the kind of people that have half and half shirts and scarves. They're oh, not- <laughs> you imagine being yeah. that type of person. iPads at the match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we normally uh, oh, yeah. we have a VIP list here. Gav. I don't know if you can see it, Gav, in the background. Yeah. We might be a bit far away from This you, is but... our VIP membership. And so what we do, and we... in true Finnegan's um, levels of preparation. We didn't pre-warn you. No. But basically, at the end of an episode of Finnegan's, we get people to tell a funny story. So for you, it might be something from preaching at church, something yeah. funny that's happened or something just in life generally. And you tell a funny story. And then if it's a good one, then what happens is... Get them on the wall, lad. We get you on the wall. You go on the wall. But if it's a bad story, then sadly, what we have to do is we have to buy you. You're bad, lad. And then you'd never be able to return to Finnegan's, which is... Uh, which would be sad, because I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this conversation, yeah, yeah. Gav. So we'd, so we'd, we'd so like you on the wall. We'd love you so on the wall. Try your best. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, <laughs> people voting, but no one's watching this at the moment. Okay. So it's just me and him you've got to impress. Yeah. 
this nugget. Have you got Have you got a funny story you could share oh. with us, Gary? I've, I've got I've got kinds of embarrassing stories. I'll tell oh, you right, what. When, when my mum and dad moved to America, yeah, um, I was seventeen. I was in my lower sixth at school, and uh, as we said earlier, I wasn't a Christian or anything. But I moved in with this old couple from the church, and they were from Yorkshire. Now I was living in Peckham in South London, right now. I didn't even know where Yorkshire was, but this Yorkshire couple, they spoke a certain way. The guy was quite stern. He would say, hey, up, lad, whack me on the leg. And he was very stern. <laughs> it come three days I'd lived there, and I finally had to succumb to doing a number two in their loo for the first time. Right? So I go upstairs, they're at the house is empty, and I do my business, and I flush the loo, and the loo starts pouring out the top, and I can't stop it. And what I've done is coming out the top and, and eventually I stop it, right? And it's gone through the floor into the cupboard below. Oh. It's covered the walls, everything else. Is <laughs> I'm, I'm panicking already. My family have moved to the other side of the world. I rush to the kitchen. I get the cloths, you know, that they use for cleaning the plates and stuff. And I start wiping the walls and things. I clear it up as well as I can. The couple get back from work and the stern guy walks in and he's like this says what have you done to my house <laughs> i told him what i had done and genuinely from that day on i lived with them for a year i was not allowed to use the toilet inside <laughs> at the end of the garden they had an outdoor loo yeah. that wow. was out of use that they repurposed as my loo so even in the night <laughs> i needed to go to the loo i had to go down the garden to use because <laughs> i was not considered suitable to use the inside toilet oh, wow, wow. That is he was amazing. Trying to, he was trying to uh, toughen you up, you southern softy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it helped. It helped. <laughs> I, just, I could just imagine you trying to stop. <laughs> I mean, what, you're not prepared for that With scenario. With Trump coming <laughs> off the top. <laughs> wow. That wow. boss. Well, oh, Gav, I think, I think Gav, as long as you... If we could set up a, some sort of toilet in the garden for you, yeah. I think you're in. Basically, <laughs> we'll let you in. Yeah. Is that all right? All right. We'll, yeah. we'll stick you up on the wall here. We're going to stick you God. over here next to our mate, uh, Ian. Ian Yates probably knows him. There we go. Yeah, I know Ian Yates, worship leader. Yeah. Yeah, How right. many people get barred? No one's been barred yet. I no. came close last week to getting barred out my own pub because yeah. I was the guest. But uh... it was a bit of a power play from me. Alan yeah. was the guest, and I suddenly realised if I could get him barred, then this 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 Finnegan's is mine. We could rename it and everything, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that didn't work out so yeah, well, no, did it? No, no. But um, no, yeah, no one's been barred. So thank goodness for that. Yeah, we, thank goodness. We better let Gav go. We He's better busy let man. busy man. Gav. Mate, thank wow. you so much for coming to do this. Uh, we really appreciate you. Yeah. Um, with its last orders, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's last orders, even though we're not drinking. We're not drinking. We're drinking hot juice. Very so early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> God Sad. bless you, Gav. Thanks, Thanks so Gav. much for joining us. And um, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon, mate. Yeah. Thanks, back. guys. Bless you.